Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. On today's episode, we do another ride guide looking at some of the thrill attractions at Hollywood Studios. Find all episodes of this podcast at DisneyDeciphered.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you find podcasts. And we really appreciate it if you could leave us a positive review. If you'd like to support the podcast, check us out on Patreon.com slash DisneyDeciphered, where you'll receive bonus content. Or you can support the podcast at no cost to you by using me as your travel agent. Get started by emailing josephchung at travelmation.net. If you have any questions for the podcast, email us disneydeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at www.deciphered on Twitter, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As the Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. We are continuing our ride guide series. It's been a little while, but we want to get back to it. So today we are going to be talking about the Hollywood Studios Thrill Rides down Sunset Boulevard. That would be Tower of Terror and Rockin' Roller Coaster. But before we get to that, we had a couple of new patrons to thank. So Leslie, who are we thanking today and what is Patreon? All right. So today we are thanking Matt R. and Madison so if you don't know what Patreon is, you can support our podcast by making either a one-time donation or subscribing at different price tiers. You can go to patreon.com slash Disney Deciphered for all the details, but we really do appreciate our supporters. We have a special Facebook group. We put out unfiltered episodes and bonus content all the time. So thanks to everybody who's supported over the years and look forward to welcoming more folks as well. For sure. And we were definitely supposed to have, I definitely was supposed to be at Disney World sometime in November, but uh, that has gotten thrown off time and time again. But hopefully, Leslie, crossing fingers, this will happen at the end of the month. But uh, I was supposed to be there twice already and I'm over two so far. So it hasn't been good. But if you are a subscriber to Patreon, you also get our live trip reports when we're in the parks. All right. So let's get to these attractions. Now, Sunset Boulevard, it was like an extension made to Hollywood Studios, then MGM Studios. As you are coming in and you're going down the main thoroughfare, if you hang a right, that is Sunset Boulevard. And there's a bunch of things down there. Fantasmic, which just recently reopened, is down there. But the main attractions are Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster. So let's start with Rock and Roller Coaster, Leslie. Can you tell us a little bit about the attraction history and what we need to know about it? Sure. So this one actually surprised me. I did not realize that Rock and Roller Coaster only opened in July of 1999. I sort of, in my own mind, thought it was there at some point during my childhood, but no, not so, not the case. Um, memory is funny when it comes to to Disney history. But it's the height of Aerosmith's relevancy, 1999. Actually, they were still pretty 
pretty relevant then, but. Yeah, I guess so. So height requirement for this one, uh, one of the highest in all of the Disney parks. It's a 48 inch height requirement. And we'll talk about why. You can probably guess it's a roller coaster by the name. So Disney describes rock and roller coaster as such. Race along the darkened freeways of Los Angeles in a super stretch limo to the rockin' tunes of Aerosmith. Yeah, so that is, I mean, it's a pretty good description of the attraction. So let's, you know, get straight to the attraction and run through. Oh, and if you haven't listened to one of these ride guides before, we'll run through the attraction. And then at the end, we'll give a tier rating and we'll also let you know what you need to know about minimizing your wait times. But, you know, a lot of this queue is outside and then you go inside through a studio and it just, it's just themed as if you would imagine a music studio would be. There's like records. There's like a gigantic record that uh, serves as decoration. There are guitars hanging all over the place and so that's kind of what's going on there i mean the queue is fine um we'll get to it but i rarely going through the actual queue because of the single rider line and then rock and roller coaster has you know, a pretty interesting pre-show as far as pre-shows go and definitely feels like a late 90s pre-show but you see the aerosmith guys in the studio by the mixing boards and all that and they're hanging out and you know you can hear them kind of messing around before you enter um, and then as you enter studio c is like the final room you're in after going through a couple studios as waiting rooms and you'll see they're working on an instrumental recording of walk this way um, and then you know you get greeted by the band they're talking to you from i mean they're on a screen but they're talking to you and they are on their way to a concert and then at the end they're like oh we can't leave these we can't leave these people behind. Um, and then they call their manager and they ask for a super stretch limo for you. And they are getting you to the concert with this really fast car. This is the point in the attraction where I imagine myself in Wayne's world with backstage passes. But uh, yeah, then the scene ends and then you go to the final part of the queue where you're waiting for the attraction to actually board the ride. So this attraction actually can take a lot of people, uh, you know, Online, it's we looked it up and it seems like you're gonna take 1800 people per hour. But what are these 1800 people per hour experiencing on one of the most thrilling attractions at Walt Disney World, Leslie? All right, so they're experiencing a lot of G forces. <laughs> the roller coaster has a very fast launch, like I think it's magnetic how it works, and you start sort of from this launch bay, it counts down. Music starts blaring in your ears as you launch, you know, one of several Aerosmith songs. And you are going through, like, this is a true roller coaster. This one inverts. It goes upside down. There, you know, you're losing your lunch kind of style. And, you know, you're definitely kind of rattling around a little bit. You probably, you know, are feeling some forces on your head, which I don't feel like really other than the Matterhorn, which is unintentional <laughs> at Disney parks, I don't feel like I ever feel my brain really getting rattled on many Disney coasters. And this one definitely is one of those. But as you're riding through all of this, there are things sort of lit up in like neon, very sort of Aerosmith 90s. So you're you're seeing some some rock and roll kind of scenes, like kind of like a precursor to Cosmic Rewind. You know, it's really visually a lot of fun. I mean, I think the hard part is like a lot of kids probably close their eyes and they miss a lot of it. But if you keep your eyes open, there's there's something to look at. Yeah. And a couple other things. You're trying to beat the traffic, which, you know, that's why you're going on this super fast stretch limo roller coaster. One thing I didn't know, Leslie, that I found out in researching this, I knew that there were, you know, I looked up the different songs that you can hear and, you know, the options are Nine Lives, uh, a combination of Love in an Elevator and Walk This Way, a combination of Young Lust, Fine and Love in an Elevator, 
Back in the Saddle, Dude Looks Like a Lady, Sweet Emotion. You know, there's just like a lot of songs you can listen to. But what I didn't know, Leslie, is the car that you're in actually determines the song that you're going to listen to. And you can look at the license plates on the car to figure that out. So, for example, if you're in a car that has a license plate of of 1QK limo, then you're going to listen to Nine Live. So I never knew that. Um, I kind of... I don't know. Would I want to? I, I like being surprised by the songs, but uh, yeah, that also also makes me wonder if there's a way to know what Guardians of the Galaxy song you're going to listen to. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's new to me too. So um, nice little uh, tidbit there if you, I guess, want to know what you're going to be rocking out to. And if uh, Wikipedia is wrong, then uh, I apologize. <laughs> because, uh, <laughs> that's where uh, we do all our research for the stuff we don't know. Excellent, excellent primary sources that we're using here. Yes, yes. This is what we teach the children these days. Um, Pretty simple, Leslie, but who's this attraction for and who might not like this attraction? This is definitely for thrill ride junkies. It's probably the most intense ride at Walt Disney World. I took my daughter on it for the first time when she was almost seven. And I have a great picture of her. (laughs) I mean, she was definitely into thrill rides more than I'd say the average kid at a younger age. And, but I have a picture of her with like eyes wide open, sheer terror in the on-ride photo. So, you know, she, she lived to tell the tale and she now brags about, you know, how she did that ride at that age. But this might be one that maybe you're waiting a few more years for, for most kids. Yeah, I definitely hear that. And if you don't like being inverted, maybe skip it. And I will also say, Leslie, last time you and I rode this together, That's when I realized I had back issues because my back had been already hurting. And then I just remember, and it wasn't even that the, it's not, it was before it even moved. But I remember that was the first time I sat down in the car and I was like, huh, I don't think my back should hurt like this. Um, And then of course the attraction went and uh, that did not help things. So yeah, if you, obviously if you have back issues and of course, you know, pregnant and all that stuff, avoid this attraction as well. But that's for every thrill ride. Now, in terms of Genie Plus, uh, Lightning Lane, if you are purchasing Genie Plus, which reminder is now a day of purchase, I would say that this is a mid-tier Genie Plus attraction at Hollywood Studios. You really need to prioritize Slinky Dog Dash and Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run and then Tower of Terror, which we'll get to. Um, those probably should be your first three if you want to ride those three rides. And Rock and Roller Coaster will come after that. And because of its high ride capacity, you know, you can get genie plus return times for it uh later than you can get for those other three that i mentioned um so you know i would say it's not going to be your top tier genie plus at hollywood studios but it's going to be in your second tier yeah i totally agree i mean one thing you do need to watch out for is just generally hollywood studios on very busy days has sort of the most pressure on genie plus so it could run out if it is your fourth attraction if you're there on a high crowd day so you have to have other ways to to ride it so if it is a priority i might make it pick number two or three and rope drop something else or you know just just keep that in mind that hollywood studios does kind of collapse under the weight of genie plus on on busy days definitely Now, what about standby line strategies? What uh, recommendations do you have for us? So, I mean, this is a great one to rope drop because so many people head for Slinky Dog Dash or head for Galaxy's Edge. So there's just not a lot of demand for it. But I don't know if you need to waste your rope drop on it unless you really, really want to ride it. A great way to ride it is the single rider line. This is, you know, one of those attractions that does have a single rider line running all of the time. That can be really great sort of mid and late morning. But then by sort of the busiest time of day, like early afternoon, sometimes that single rider line can get really long, especially sort of depending on who the crowd mix is at Disney at any given time. You know, if you've got a lot of 
folks who are sort of thrill ride junkies versus maybe young families on a school break. It can kind of be a different ebb and flow on the single rider line. So you just kind of have to see what you see when you get there as to whether the single rider line is really bad. But uh, important to note, lines do die towards the end of the day when thrill seekers, you know, have thrown up enough after riding too many thrill rides. So it can die down late at night. But you do have to watch now that Phantasmic is open and it's over in that side of the park. There can sort of be the post Phantasmic effect as well. Right. Post and pre Phantasmic effect, I would say. But uh, yeah, we haven't, you know, it's just reopened. So we're not totally sure how that affects things yet. All right. I think that is everything you need to know about Rock and Roller Coaster. They have been talking forever about retheming it. But uh, I haven't heard any concrete news on retheming it. And honestly, as a child of the 90s, uh, as a Gen Xer, I have no problem with it being Aerosmith for a while. Yeah, I don't mind. I loved Aerosmith. I mean, I still love Aerosmith. So, I mean, it does feel dated. <laughs> so I do, you know, understand sort of the push for retheming it. And I won't, like, be one of the protesters, you know, if it does decide to go into Yesterland and, you know, something else comes that way. It could be okay, but uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, it's just a throwback. It's just a throwback. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, let's get to our attraction tier rating from S tier to F tier, where you got uh, Rock and Roller Coaster. Oh, this was a tough one. This is a little bit of a wobbler, but I'm ultimately giving it a B. And, you know, it's a really good coaster. I'm glad that there's a good coaster at Walt Disney World just so I can occasionally get my thrills in. But when I've been going with younger kids over the past many years, it's a ride that we often have to skip because they're not interested in it or we have to use Rider Switch. So it's not, you know, one that the whole family can necessarily do together. And like we said, it is a little dated. So I think um, getting a downgrade for, for that as well. So, yeah, but it's a solid coaster. So I'm giving it a B. What about you? Yeah, I think I'll leave it as a B-tier coaster as well. I was thinking of putting an A-tier, but I really feel like it's one of those things where because there aren't a lot of other thrill rides at Walt Disney World, that's what tempts me to make it A-tier. But as it is, I think it's just a solid middle-of-the-road coaster that will leave it in the B-tier. And I like if I bumped it to A-tier, that would have been kind of Disney World curve, and I decided not to do that. So I left it. Rock and Roller Coaster in the B tier as well. I mean, it's definitely not like an attraction I feel like I need to ride every single time and that factored into it as well. Same, same. All right, so let's move on to the next attraction, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Tell us a little bit about the history of this attraction, Leslie. All right, so this opened five years earlier than Rock and Roller Coaster. It opened July 22nd, 1994. It's sort of one of the first um, expansions of then MGM Studios. It also has a height requirement, but a little bit lower, 40 inches. So, you know, a lot of kids hit that around four years old. So that's something you got to kind of keep in mind. Not my kids, Leslie, but... uh, (laughs) That's right. That's right. My firstborn hit it before she turned four, but she's the tall one in the family. So premise, um, Disney describes uh, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror as follows. Hurdle up and down aboard a haunted elevator style lift. You're about to enter, dun, 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 the Twilight Zone. Yeah, I think uh, this, you know, this is definitely one of the scariest attractions at Walt Disney World. And that description sets the tone. You know, it's not scary necessarily because of the ride vehicle. But as we get into it, you know, hopefully we can explain why it's a little bit of a creepy attraction. The queue, a bunch of it is outside through the gardens and 
honestly, it's been pretty bad lately. Sometimes it's spilling out into Sunset Boulevard, especially early in the day, um, but even sometimes in the mid-afternoon. So even if you're not on Sunset Boulevard, there's a significant portion outside. You're kind of going through curated gardens. Eventually, you find yourself uh, in the hotel lobby of the Hollywood Tower Hotel, which just really feels like You know, it's a dusty lobby frozen in time. There's cobwebs everywhere on the furniture. Ultimately, you end up in the hotel library, which is where the pre-show happens. As you get into the library, like a television set springs to life and it's black and white. And Rod Sterling, the host of The Twilight Zone, welcomes you on a journey into The Twilight Zone. And essentially, from that point on, you are a uh, actor, a, I don't know, just someone who is in the middle of the Twilight Zone show. And he tells you that on a gloomy Halloween night in 1939, there were hotel patrons riding the elevator. There was a violent storm that struck the building. They're never seen again. Are they ghosts? What happened? I don't know. Hotel closed down uh, and it's been empty ever since. Um, And so, you know, at the end of the pre-show, he's like, you're stepping into the maintenance elevator and you're going to become stars of the Twilight Zone. And this whole thing, Leslie, is just... People talk through the show now because they're so used to it. But I remember the first time I went through this, it was like dead silent in there and totally rivaled the Haunted Mansion in terms of setting the scene and setting the creepiness for this attraction. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. I mean, I definitely remember writing it in my younger days as well. And people were scared by the theming of the Twilight Zone. I mean, perhaps because I don't know about you, Joe, but I watched that show obviously in reruns as a child. So it had some meaning to me but it probably doesn't to um, much younger folks. I mean, it certainly had a lot of meaning to my parents when they were at the age where they were writing this with us. Um, definitely not doing that anymore <laughs> at, at their age. But um, anyway, so I, I think that maybe it had a little more power over the audience because there was some context for many more of the guests. Never watched the reruns. I was too much of a chicken even back then. Now, Theme Park Tourist says this ride attraction also can take up to 1,800 at full capacity. There are four different elevator shafts that they can run, but it's been really weird for like the last year. Uh, For a while, they were like doing maintenance on the elevator shafts at least one or two at a time, but they were still running the attraction and that was really slowing down the hourly capacity. Now, supposedly that maintenance is done, but it still feels like at times they don't run all four elevator shafts. I want, I like, you know, for example, if they don't have the staff to run four elevator shafts, even if all four are running, they're not going to run them. So it's 1800 at full capacity, but it really doesn't feel like it has been hitting that many people lately. Uh, Let's split this ride run through Leslie. So I'll do the first part, you know, you board the elevator and there's this kind of convoluted loading sequence but it's not too bad the cast members do a great job of telling you when it's your time to load and then the doors close and you start to rise and then you go through this slow moving scary section where they're just piping in twilight zone like narration over you and there's some creepy images Um, they really the music and the tone really do a great job to just build the tension from there leslie where do we go all right so i guess the ride we sort of have to explain the ride moves forward and then the ride moves up and down. So you're sort of starting and then you're moving into the shaft itself and then in, you're going up and down in the shaft. So this is when you have sort of the drop sequence. It's been a while since I've done it. I, so I can't remember exactly how many drops you're getting, but some smaller ones and then you sort of have the big 
big drop at the end where they take your photo, um, your on-ride photo, when, and you're shocked and or you're not shocked. You're, you're like pretending to be asleep or something like that. People do all sorts of fun things with the on-ride photos in Tower of Terror. But, but it's really important to note, I mean, a lot of people have ridden this attraction in other Disney parks. There's one in Tokyo. There's one in Disneyland Paris that I just rode. And then, of course, there's the Disneyland Anaheim version, which is now Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. So all of the ride systems work a little bit differently in all these different parks, but this is the original in Hollywood Studios. This is where you get sort of the full effect of the moving forward and then the up and down. So a lot of people really do think this is, um, you know, the classic, the best one, but, you know, it remains to be seen. Your, your, your judgment may be different. I find that this Tower of Terror, I mean, I guess we need to talk about uh, Mission Breakout, right? Like, it's impossible to talk about Tower of Terror without comparing. Right. There's just something like on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, I think it's the same movement. You're like up and down, up and down. There's like a there's little drops, there's big drops. You accelerate upwards at a quick speed. But when the Guardians of the Galaxy are on screens like making jokes, like fighting aliens, it's all like super fun and happy. But in the Tower of Terror, it's like pretty much just you're doing it in the pitch dark, except for at the top where you can see Hollywood Studios. So I just I just really think that they've done a great job of the Twilight Zone version of the Tower of Terror to make it just super scary. And, you know, that movement could be it's just a kind of triumph of theming that the movement can feel super fun if you're on Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout or super creepy if you're on the uh, Tower of Terror. So I think, you know, this is just I don't know. It's it's a top-notch attraction, especially it, it's funny like when Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout came out uh in 2017, like people were like, "Oh, you know, the purists were like, "Oh, you can't change this," etc., cetera, etc., cetera. but I really feel like having both it it makes both attractions better because of the different theming. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I personally like Mission Breakout better. I think there's more up up and down movement on Mission Breakout, like they've added more drop sequences and more surprise whereas Twilight Zone Tower of Terror really feels more about the spooky and the creepy and the macabre. Uh, so, so you sort of that is is driving some of the the, the fear, um, not just the, the ride system itself. Whereas on Mission Breakout, it's more about the ride system and and the fun that you're having, like you're riding a fun roller coaster. But you know, so so. But I agree, it's great that both versions exist. You should ride both versions if you can go to both Disney coasts. I'm glad that there has been this differentiation because. It wasn't as good at Disneyland as Twilight Zone Tower of Terror because they didn't have that moving forward section. It just wasn't as good of a ride. They had less uh, land to build it on, so it wasn't the full shebang. And uh, people were always going to think it was inferior if it was a Twilight Zone compared to the Disney World version. Right. And getting back to focusing on the Disney World version, if it isn't clear, that slow-moving, forward-moving section at the beginning it's basically a dark ride. So you're it's a combination mini dark ride and then a thrill ride. So that's why it's great. And that's why this attraction is for thrill junkies or people who, you know, like to have a little bit of fear uh, mixed in with their thrills. And I think it should be clear at this point who might not like this attraction. If you have fear of heights, if you don't like drops, uh, which is to me different than roller coasters because it's the, you know, your stomach and your throat type feeling. And definitely you got to add on if you have the fear of scary stuff, like my daughter loved Mission Breakout, I still am not sure if she's ready for Tower of Terror yet just because of uh, the ambiance that they set. So those are the types of people who might not like this attraction. Let's talk about cutting down our wait times, Leslie. Let's start with uh, Genie Plus and Lightning Lane. All right. So this is one of the popular Genie Plus attractions, as we already 
alluded to. I mean, Slinky Dog is number one for sure in Hollywood Studios. Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run is probably number two. And this is a close third. So this is sort of one of those ones that you do need to prioritize early if you're going to be riding it through the lightning lane, especially on higher crowd days. If it is a priority, I would go for it early. Like Joe said, standby has been really weird for this because... Fewer elevators have been running at different points in time, and you just may not know what the capacity is going to be on a given day. And if you get a day when it's like at half capacity, then it could run out even faster than you're expecting. So so keep that in mind. You know, if, if you could take or leave Millennium Falcon, if you've ridden it a lot, or if you're going to do it through the single rider line, then maybe go for this one first, I would say. Yeah, and Millennium Falcon's single rider line is much more reliable than rock and roller coaster. So that's another thing to kind of think about if you're comparing um, single rider lines. And yeah, you can generally get a feel pretty quickly during the day how Tower of Terror is doing for the day. For example, we're recording right now around lunchtime, Eastern Time, Leslie, and uh, Tower of Terror is 120 minutes standby time and disney genie plus is already sold out so looks like a rough day at hollywood studios overall leslie yikes yikes and it's not even thanksgiving week yet all right hold on to your oh my hats gosh, people leslie, millennium falcon smugglers run 185 minutes this is a day this is quite a day that we picked but uh yeah that's what's going on depends on whether you believe that or not joe <laughs> that's true that's true all right Well, let's talk about uh, standby line strategies as well. This is another one that is good to rope drop. You know, if this is something that you want to ride, again, people are going for Slinky. They're going for Galaxy's Edge. So if you're heading down Sunset Boulevard, you're going to just have fewer crowds headed that way. So the other option is to ride it, of course, late at night when the throw ride junkies are done. But again, we have this wild card of Fantasmic just reopening and, and that could potentially affect people trying to squeeze in one last ride before they head home for the night. Now that we're like talking about this, yes, I wouldn't take one of these attractions to rope drop over, say, Slinky Dog or Smuggler's Run. But if you really want to ride these attractions, an okay strategy would be just to rope drop both of them because they're like right next to each other. That is something that you can do, and that might make it more worth not starting in Toy Story Land or Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. And if you're going to do that, uh, recommendation would be Tower of Terror first and then Rock and Roller Coaster. Yes, totally agree. All right, well, let's turn towards our ratings. What do you think of Tower of Terror? How do you rate it? I would definitely put this attraction solidly into the A tier of attractions. I am not a fan of these up and down elevator type rides, but like everything we've been saying, just the way it's themed, the way it's all put together, uh, they've just done such a good job with it. Want to honor that. Keep it in the A tier. What about you, Leslie? All right. So it's a B tier for me. I guess just maybe it's run its course a little bit for me. Like you say, people aren't really respecting the creepiness of it as much anymore. And, you know, I still enjoy it. I still ride it almost every trip, but it's not as thrilling to me as some other drop rides. And it's not as thrilling to me as Mission Breakout in Disneyland. So I actually prefer the new version in Disneyland, the rethemed version, but it's a great ride. But uh, I guess the haunted stuff doesn't really work for me anymore, perhaps because it's just been done so many times now. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, those are our tier rankings for Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coasters, but we'd love to hear yours. You can email us, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, tweet at us at WWDeciphered on Twitter while that still exists, or find us on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. We always love to end our episodes with a Disney do or don't. Leslie, do you have a Disney do or don't for Tower of Terror or Rock and Roller Coaster for us? 
All right, so a Disney don't for you. There is kind of a little food court area in Sunset Boulevard. I think a lot of people, if they find themselves riding these rides, might end up stopping there for a meal, lunch, whatever. And there's several different counter service restaurants that you can go up and then there's outdoor seating on picnic tables. I would say don't eat there. (laughs) And this is just absolutely one of the hottest, hottest places in the park, especially for lunch, middle of the day, afternoon snack kind of stuff. And, And I have occasionally caved and gotten something there because we happen to be in the area and have always regretted it. That's my don't. Yep. I hear that. I think every once in a while they have you know, seasonal stuff there, or I, I think once they had maybe some orange bird related stuff there. Um, and people like it for that, but yeah, it's just too hot in that area. I'd much rather eat. It's not like the food is going to be worlds better, but backlot express, um, ABC commissary, it's just, it can be inside. It's cooler. Uh, it's just a better eating experience overall. So good tip. All right. Well, that does it for this episode. Uh, we are getting to the point where we are happy to take suggestions of the next attractions you want us to do ride guides for. Uh, again, you can let us know, DisneyDeciphered.gmail.com, at www.deciphered on Twitter or on Facebook and Instagram, Disney Deciphered. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Ride Guide. And other than that, Leslie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I will see you watching old reruns of The Twilight Zone to get your fears in. Thanks, Joe. Bye.